everyone. I am so glad you're here this week. I have a special guest with me, my friend Sarah from Parenting Solution Finders. She is a Canadian girl who does not like Tim Hortons, but loves mashed potatoes. She is a positive, disciplined parent educator, a mom of four, and she has the chronic illness of being a wanderlust. I am so excited to introduce you to her. She is one of my favorite places on Facebook and Instagram. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Christy. How are you? Good. I am so excited to share you with my audience, with my special community here. I'm thrilled to be here. So how is your uh, August going? How's your summer going? It is going well. I am hoping we get away for a few more trips, hence the wanderlust. But <laughs> but yeah, so far it's been spectacular. Okay. Because not everyone knows what positive parenting means, can you explain positive parenting to me? Absolutely. So uh, what I teach is the principles of positive discipline, which are that you interact with your child in a kind way that doesn't crumble your own boundaries, as well as helping our kids to be competent and letting them experiment and make mistakes and treating mistakes as learning opportunities and creating an atmosphere where we can truly problem solve with our kids in instead of laying blame and punishment. Excellent. That's huge. What a huge paradigm shift. We've been watching a lot of 1950s, 60s, and 70s shows with my kids this summer. And oh my goodness, just the cultural change that has happened in seeing kids as people and not just as... Um, you know, something like to control. Possessage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think um, positive discipline really does a good job of helping unpack parents, make that change. Is that right? It does. Yeah. It, there's so many tools that, um, you know, kids are all different. So we want to have a lot of tools in our tool belt because even something that maybe worked yesterday might not work today, but... Um, but when you have something else that you can pull out, you feel equipped and prepared. So you're not feeling frantic because when you're frantic, that's when you tend to lose it with your kids. Yeah, totally. Frantic, too tired, yes. <laughs> um, distracted on my phone and not paying attention to them. Oh, yeah. We've all been there, right? Yeah. So how did you get started on this? Tell me about your family and how you decided to become an instrument in the world in this way. Sure. Well, like a lot of people, I I was not parenting out of a place of abundance or out of a place of joy. I was parenting out of scarcity and fear and, you know scarcity of these kids are stealing all of my time these kids are stealing all of my my joy my happiness my 
life um, and just that fear of what are other people thinking of me? Do I have good kids? Do I have bad kids? Can I control my kids? Can I not control my kids? Those sorts of fears that just come up. The biggest one actually is, am I screwing up my kids? Which when we are parenting out of that, we tend to, to not parent very rationally. <laughs> um, and that was the parent that I started out as. And as my family grew, um, so I have four kids, and they are ages 13, 10, 7, and 2. And so as my family grew, I kind of looked at everything I was doing with my kids, and I had the realization that if I was one of my kids when I grew up, I probably would not come back and visit me. And so something had to change and it had to be me. That's huge. I always, um, I like to say when I'm talking to people in this, to people that, you know, we need to begin with the end in mind. And my end goal of parenting is always kids that want to come back as grownups, right? Like I want to still have a relationship with them when they're more like peers to me instead of in the parent-child relationship. Absolutely. And I want to be trustworthy with my grandchildren. I want my kids to say, you know, oh yeah, mom's got this. We can leave our kids with her. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't have that trust relationship. Absolutely. And so, um, so I went on this journey of trying to figure out how to change how I was operating and how I was showing up. And it started out with Brene Brown because there was a lot of shame and guilt and, and just wounds that needed to be healed before I could step into being a calm and connected parent that I wanted to be with my kids. Um, and eventually I looked at the world around me and went, huh, there's a lot of moms who are operating out of this fear place and don't have anywhere to go. And I have the unique, um, I guess, opportunity to show them that I can support them without judgment because I've been there. And, um, and I have tools that actually work. So that is how I started. That is fantastic. So, so you began with the end in mind. You started to think about what would you think if you were one of your own kids? That's a really profound paradigm shift. Yeah, I don't think I actually knew that's what I was doing at the time. But, <laughs> but as you grow, you look back and hindsight is twenty twenty, And you're like, huh, that was a really big step. Yeah. So that's probably why being a calm and responsive parent means so much to you, huh? It does. It really does. Yes. So how do you feed your calm? Because I know I joke with my friends that if I can be a good parent, uh, by good, I mean like positive, calm, engaged parent, I'd say 60 to 65% of the time, I feel like I'm, I'm a rock star of a mom. Like, 
overall, I just want a little bit more good than bad in the whole 940 weeks with them. (laughs) Yes. Um, And research actually shows your kids will be competent and contributing human beings if you're a rock star parent only 33% of the time. So (laughs) thank you for that percentage. That's amazing. Okay, everyone write that down. Like seriously, get a sticky note and write that down. (laughs) That is so so freeing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Everything else, as long as your kids are feeling that connection and belonging and, and all of that good, warm, fuzzy, 33% of the time, everything else you can apologize for and make it right later sort of deal and, you know, make amends and it's okay and learn from your mistakes. And as long as you're not laying a bunch of shame all over yourself and your kids, it's all going to be fine. That, that was a truth bomb that was totally worth just having you on for right now. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) So... When you are starting to feel like you're losing your stuff, how do you change the direction that you're going? Do you have a tip that you can give someone? Um, Yeah, actually. So really the first thing that I tell people is you need to get in tune with what I call your shark music. And your shark music is the, the signals your body is sending that you're about to attack. Um, so it's like the, <laughs> the Jaws, Jaws theme. I have it. Do, 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 Exactly. And when you, when you pay attention to that, you'll find that, um, anger and I don't know, all of those sorts of like emotions, they're from your shoulders up. Like that's huh. where your body manifests it. Um, so your shoulders come up, your neck gets tight. I clench my teeth. Yes, so do I. I clench my jaw. Uh-huh. Um, the 11s come between your eyes. Huh. Like, so yeah. anger is up. Yes. Huh. Yes. And so when, when you just pay attention to that, and it takes practice to pay attention and, and catch it. So when you just practice with that and sit with it, then you can start to use the other calming tools to get yourself out of that. And it takes tricking your brain a little bit because when you are going into anger or freak out mode, you're operating out of the fear center of your brain, your amygdala. And the entire job of your amygdala is to help you run away from that saber-toothed tiger so that you stay alive. So your rational brain is offline. Right. So the amygdala, is that what people call the dinosaur brain? Uh, like, I'm not sh- Have yeah, you heard that a- analogy before where you like the dinosaur brain is like the lowest part of your brain? No, it's not. Okay. But your lizard brain. Lizard brain. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah that's okay. Um, that's the part of your brain that helps you to function like your heartbeat, your digestion, okay. that sort of thing. So your amygdala is a middle part of your brain. Okay. And then your cortex is like the front part of your brain okay. that is the logic and, and uh, reasoning center of part so, of your brain. 
because this is a podcast, I'm going to explain to you what Sarah just did with her hand. She <laughs> she held her hand up as a high five and then put her, folded her thumb across her palm and folded her four fingers down. And so it's like a fist, but your thumb is tucked inside. And your amygdala is that thumb. And the cortex, which is the human part of your brain, right? Is right, that that's the, the logic and reasoning part okay. of your brain, yeah. And so that's the fingers folding over. So when you're upset, you flip your lid, right? And you go straight yes, to... absolutely. You, you lose the cortex. Like all those fingers fly up and you're just functioning out of your amygdala. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And so what you want to do is bring your cortex back online. And I... I go through five super quick little exercises to do that. Um, I count backwards from five. And what that does is it wakes up your cortex and says, oh, something's going on here. Come back online. Um, I take the deepest breath possible. I picture my breath going all the way down to my toes and then coming all the way back out super slowly. Um, and I might do that actually two or three times, just depending on how I'm feeling after that breath. Um, that signals your brain that, hey, we have time to breathe like this. We have time to sit around and breathe really slow. We're not actually in danger. Uh, the third thing I do is I picture the best case scenario. And if I'm at home, I might tell that kid, hey, the best case scenario for this is that we get it together and sit on the couch and read a story. Like, yeah. And what that does is it lights up the parts of your brain that would come online if you were actually doing that thing. When you imagine something or visualize something, it tricks your brain into thinking that it's actually happening. Um, the fourth thing I do is I throw out two things that I'm thankful for. And these can literally be anything. Um, I've I've said I'm really thankful that my thumbs bend and my eyes blink. <laughs> I love that it's so basic. Like because yeah. sometimes when you're in that that moment, you can't really think about anything. Exactly. Exactly. And then I just assess, am I calm right now? And can I engage with my child with empathy? And if not, then maybe I need to walk away for a little bit or I just start again from the beginning and do it all over again. That's fantastic. Those were amazing five steps. And I love the fact that you just said that sometimes you know you have to walk away. And yeah. I think that's really important for our kids to see too, that that we all deserve space sometimes to feel the feelings that we can't solve everything in the heat of the moment all the time. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's modeled a lot <laughs> on every television show nowadays, right? Like every problem gets solved in 30 minutes or less. Yes. <laughs> and so life isn't like that. And so I often, I'm a, I'm a slow processor is what I tell my kids. Like I can't make quick decisions without feeling resentful later that I made the wrong choice. And I know this about myself. So I've told them like, I need more time than you think to come up with some choices when you're yeah, pressuring me. 
absolutely. And that's a really excellent point too. Like tell your kids what you need and what you're doing. Don't, don't keep it a secret. Like, um, yeah, when you tell your kids and warn them ahead of time, this is what's going on, or I need this a lot of the time to think it through, then they're totally more responsive. They're like, oh, that's just mom doing her thing, as opposed to you just walking away. They'll be like, where is she going? I don't even know. And then their amygdala goes, ah! And it's just, it turns to chaos. So let your kids in on the parenting changes that you're trying to make. That is excellent. So you have all these tools to stay calm. How do you add fun into your family life? Because Sarah knows me and I am all about play and using play as the way to connect. So how does your family use play to connect, Sarah? This actually um, Or do you some... want me to unpack it for you and I can coach you through it? <laughs> um. Well, let's see what my answer is first. Okay. <laughs> working on actually and we we travel a lot Mm -hmm. so I used to have the idea in my head that oh on this trip I'm gonna sit on the sidelines and read a book and the kids can play and Craig can play and you know it took me a good long time to realize yeah no Sarah that is not reality that is fantasy and you need a better plan so this last trip that we were on, um, maybe, no, sorry, it was like two trips ago, but uh, we were in the Kootenays of British Columbia at a hot springs resort, and my kids, you know, were splashing around in one of the pools, and they had a ball, and I decided to join in on Piggy in the Middle, and I had a blast, and Um, I've been playing chase a lot, which is essentially tag with my toddler and just really loving it and loving that connection. Um, but my, my go-to is let's all sit down and I'll read (laughs) (laughs) that is, you know, there's, there's the active fun mom that comes out more and more, but she's still not the go-to and, yeah, and just sit down, I'll read to everyone is is my go-to thing that I do. Well, storytelling is a very valid form of play. It's, it's really important. And having strong connections and good memories with books will help your kids become readers later on. So those are all amazing things. And I love the fact that you jumped into the pool and played Piggy in the Middle. Is that what you called it? Yeah. I think yeah. we call it monkey in the middle oh, okay. here. Um, so like <laughs> where people throwing a ball over you. Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is fantastic. I mean, and Chase, Chase is such a good game and there are so many variations. Have you played it with like glow sticks in the dark yet with your bigger Ooh. kids? No, I haven't. That is a really good idea. Um, Cause there's, because you have a wide range of ages too, which is, yes. it seems hard sometimes when you have such a big span of the ages of your kids and you're like, how do I play with everyone? And I say, you don't have to play with everyone at the same time. <laughs> it's okay too that I think that kids really do need one-on-one time and it's okay to tailor your play to be like 
10 minutes just with you, that's okay too. Oh, that's good. That's like my 33%. I'm going to take that 10 minutes from you and be like, oh, such a relief to have just 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, just do 10 minutes. Like there's one of my kids really likes playing chess and I actually, I have no clue how to play chess. So every time I play, I fake it. And I'm just waiting to be told that I'm moving the chess piece the wrong way. Um, oh my gosh, Christy. But I show up. I try. And I'm like, I, I have no clue. Like, I'm just basically copycatting what they're doing with the moves. I have no clue. But, um, but I do it for 10 minutes. Which yes, chess is a little bit longer than 10 minutes. But I, I know going in, I can handle this for this amount of time. Yes. My kids are really into playing crib right now, actually, and I have no idea how to play crib. <laughs> yeah. Like, huh, I should have them teach me, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or find a game that you remember and teach them. Like, we just learned a new version of Solitaire um, called Clock okay. Solitaire. And it's amazing. Like, I, I didn't expect that my kids would like this game, and now they can't stop playing it. So Um, very good. Well, cool. How do you play though as a mother? So what is fun for you? Because a lot of positive discipline and positive parenting and living a calm life means that you know how to put on your oxygen mask and take care of yourself. So how do you do that? Um, So I love to... We, yeah, when we're in little places and I get to wander around and just be by myself in like a downtown core of a city and explore, that is one of the ways that I play. And um, also, I I love to read um, and just escape into a book and... um, yeah, and just meeting people for coffee and friends and that sort of thing is, that's what I do to play. That's fantastic. You yes. Oh, and I have a Wednesday morning walk that I do with a friend that is like fuel for the rest of the week. So I have a Wednesday morning walk with a friend too when her kids get on the bus. It's a little bit wonky with the summer schedule because her kids go to public school but usually Uh, her kids get on the bus and then we go for a walk and then I come back and homeschool (laughs) 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 but it's such a breath of fresh air to have like that time with another grown-up that's consistent And, and when your body moves and your oxygen levels are up your conversation is so good <laughs> yeah I, I think you and and any walk or run with someone like you feel like you can totally change the world while you're having yeah, these conversations exactly exactly so at the end of every episode Sarah I usually give a play idea and a self-care idea but do you have any um self-care ideas for moms that would tie into anything you've said yeah I think you know taking five minutes out of your day to just have for yourself is can be huge just to journal or eat chocolate in the bathroom or just have that time 
to yourself to even sit in silence and just think and remember that you're not just mom. You are this incredible human being with dynamic qualities and you're amazing. I love that because they are amazing. You are amazing too, Sarah. Did you know that? Aw, thanks, Christy. I feel the same way about you. Well, I am so glad Sarah was here today to share with us if they want to follow you, because of course they do, because you are full of goodness. Where can they find you again on Instagram and Facebook? And this will all be in the show notes too. Absolutely. Um, my Instagram is Parenting Solution Finders, and my Facebook group, which is where all the good stuff happens, is also Parenting Solution Finders. Um, and I have a website, ParentingSolutionFinders.com. Excellent. She made it easy for you, folks. Parenting Solution Finders. That is such a fun name, too, because she does have solutions. And she's walked through all the hard stuff. So she is not here to judge you. So find Sarah and take a deep breath and know that you are not alone. Do you want to say anything else, Sarah? Um, no, I think I'm good. Excellent. 